welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. mentioned in episode 462 that I'm doing a new training program called How to Be a Transformative Principal. It's for those who are in their first three years of being a principal or assistant principals or aspiring principals who want to level up their game right now. Join me at jethrojones.com slash how the number two B. How to be. We'll see you there. That's jethrojones.com slash how to be. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am very excited to have on the program today Michelle Goldschlag, who is the co founder and CEO of Cultured Kids. It is a nonprofit that believes a student's sense of belonging is the primary catalyst for their success. In her six years at the helm, Cultured Kids has partnered with schools and community organizations in Northern Virginia and the Metro Boston area, as well as provide consulting services for international museums and global organizations like the Holistica Foundation in Brazil. Michelle, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thanks so much, Jethro. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you. So would would you start by talking about the Art and Storytelling Book Club and, and what that is? Absolutely. Uh, so the Art and Storytelling Book Club actually uh, was a collaborative effort with a, a group of about eight people um, that took about two years to develop. And our main focus was really on supporting students' sense of belonging. But what we did was took a more strategic approach. We wanted to create a program that supported students' individual identity development and empathy development because those two criteria, we believe, support the sense of belonging. So it's an after-school book club for fourth and sixth graders, fourth through sixth graders. And um, we work with the educators or school counselors on training them to implement in their schools. And it lasts about 16 weeks, once a week. Meetings are once a week. Okay. And how is it different from other programs that are like book clubs or reading parties or whatever it is, or after-school programs? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you consider artwork and literature, it transcends time and culture. So we get into really deep conversations and discussions around our own identities, which are a mix of many things that can be very complex. Um, Some aspects are very fluid and some are fixed, you know, our cultural identities and heritage. So what we've done is identify literature that actually aligns perfectly, coincides with our progression of themes. So our discussions correlate perfectly with the book characters. And it's so relatable for the kids because they may not feel as comfortable talking about their own life, their own background, their own concerns. But if they can even just identify with a book character and say, even just the hand gesture, you know, me too. But like they they begin to see that they're not alone. 
They've got a connection with that book character. Um, and then they identify connections they have with students as well. And one of the other, I think, awesome aspects of the Art and Storytelling Book Club, mm-hmm. aside from the art projects, is just uh, we actually have students do a um, Gallup survey in the beginning of the book club that identifies unique strengths for each student. It's, it's called the Strengths Explorer, but yeah, it's for uh, 10 to 14-year-olds. So we sort of use those as a foundation for students to work on, first of all, identifying those strengths because they can be used in the classroom setting, they can be used at home, and then helping them practice using them in a healthy way because anything that's a strength of ours could also end up being uh, a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that you're doing that because the Strengths Finder for adults is a really powerful tool, but it's mm-hmm. also very powerful for kids to start getting an idea of that. And to bring this point home, I recently had a conversation with my son about things that I thought he was good at. And it was really fascinating to hear how he was so grateful to know that I thought he was mm. good at something. And I didn't realize how impactful that could be in the moment because we were just talking. But mm-hmm. he really was grateful that I told him what I thought he was good at because it helped him define who he was. And uh, there are ways that I've done that throughout my kids' lives. But that particular moment, just saying, this is what I think you're good at, I think was a really beneficial thing for him to experience in a conversation with me. Yeah, that's an awesome story. We actually, so one student, and I think that this is why it's so good for teachers as well, is because uh, we had a student who may be classified as like the class clown, right? And you could tell even just in book club, you know, he wanted to be the center of attention. But he, one of his strengths was presence, which is um, what they identify as, you know, a born leader and somebody who's meant to be in front of a crowd. So we spent a lot of time just talking with him saying, hey, this is, this is a strength you have, but we need to figure out how to use it in a positive way. Like, mm-hmm. how do we use that to impact your book club, school community, and so on? But yeah, if you don't have that, right? Um, if teachers don't have that, if, if you don't know, if students don't know the strengths that they have, it's, it's much harder for them to feel like a valued, impactful member of the community. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. Yeah, that's why it's so important. Um, going back to the, the overall idea of this and relatability with literature, one I was talking to somebody, and I can't remember who it was now, but we talked about using literature as a way to deal with trauma in that you may not be 
comfortable saying this happened to me or I've experienced this, but being able to relate to someone in a story who has had that happen to them, then that can help you process things on your own as well. And so this extends beyond trauma, of course, to just everyday experiences, which is a really powerful thing. What are some of the success stories that you've seen that have made that happen or you've seen that happen with a child that you've done this with? Yeah. Well, I think that one, I think one of the greatest stories is uh, we had a sixth grader in our book club and I don't think I've received a better testimonial. Her mom, at the end of the program, we provided like parent surveys, but she said it was the best uh, school program. It was best program at that school. And really it came down to the fact that her daughter chose to come to the book club throughout the entire program and had never committed to consistently going to an after-school program. She never felt like she really wanted to go back. And um, I think that just alone just made us so like affirmed, you know, the work that we're doing and that she felt like she had a place there. And while like we mm. assess student belonging in the school before and after the program and it, it did increase, the almost all of the, the kids said they felt a sense of belonging in book club. It was like 96% or something. So I think that being able, like once you know you, c- you can create that community in a small setting, and that's just once a week for 12 weeks. Um, we've extended it to 16. But once you know you can create that, you know, you can you can use that foundation and you can do more with it, you know. So we're kind of looking ahead to see how we might do that in the future. But yeah, that's that's really amazing. And I I love that story that you shared of the girl who chose to be part of the book club because Giving kids an opportunity to say, I want to be part of something really goes a long way to helping them feel belonging, right? Uh-huh. And if you force someone into a group, then they can still feel belonging there, but it's not quite as easy as when they say, I want to do this. <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> that that example of giving kids choice in what they read and who they uh-huh. share it with is is something that a lot of schools are, are moving towards. But there are a lot of schools still who haven't allowed kids to do that yet. And yeah. and that is such an important part of the whole education process of allowing kids to make those choices. I think that's that's really mm-hmm. important. Yeah. I wanted to make one more note before we move on, but it was the the book we we actually do it we as a read aloud, you know, we read sections of it, um, and we get to laugh together, you know, which enhances that sense of belonging. Uh, we get to be disappointed together or frustrated together. Um, and I think that it was surprising to some with fourth through sixth graders, some school uh, you know, administrators were surprised it was a read aloud. But when you also consider English language learners, you know, everybody has their own book and they're following along. But we loved the community aspect of reading the book aloud together. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, that's interesting. I've I've gone back and forth on on reading aloud especially like in a middle school setting where you only have a limited amount of time with the kids, that is to me, not a good use of that time in an after school program or in an elementary classroom where you spend more time with the kids, it makes a lot more sense. So uh, any guidance on that about the power of read aloud that you'd like to share? I, I think that it's just the immediate, you know, in the moment responses that you get from the kids that create connections that would have been impossible to have received otherwise. You know, if 
if we had them reading alone at home and then came together for book discussion and activities during the program, we would have lost so much of of that community building, you know, opportunities. Uh, so I think it was a huge, even though we sort of debated and went back and forth a bit, I'm just so thankful that we chose to do it as a read aloud. And definitely, hands down, I would continue to do that. So I I agree with you. Like it's it's different. I think during the school setting, and depending on age and development, but I just think there's something awesome. You know, just the community that can be built just by reading something together. Yeah, that's really interesting. So how do you determine what books you read and what art you look at? Okay. Yeah. So it's it's actually a, lar- a long process to try and identify, especially when you want to incorporate art as well. Uh, so we are currently, the program was designed around Celia Perez's uh, first rule of punk. So it's a chapter book. The main character, who's Mexican-American, is also an artist, and she's a bit of a, a punk rocker. Uh, but so there are art projects that we sort of created from the literature itself. And there's some examples of artwork from the main character in the book as well. So it it was, you know, that and and then the art projects that we're creating, they they also align with the progression of the themes and the materials in the book. So, you know, at first we have our students doing individual art projects on their own. And then we go to a small group project. And then at the end it culminates in our large group project, which is a mosaic. Um, and we have the kids work together on identifying what they want the mosaic to look like. Um, and we've just, you know, two years we've had so far at Shrewood Elementary School in Fairfax County um, that we've been able to, like, provide this program in person and then virtual during COVID. But both times the kids have had this incredible design for the mosaic at the end, and they've all really worked so well together creating it. Yeah, that's really cool. The bringing in the aspect of created artwork together really does add to that feeling of belonging. Also, that's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, so the the website is culturedkids.org. And what else would you say that we haven't talked about yet about this program? Uh, well, the mosaic is actually an acronym for my own strengths, amplify inclusive communities. And so uh, it's, I think that the tangible results of that project, just all the pieces coming together to form one awesome, beautiful piece is sort of symbolic of the communities we're trying to serve. So um, other than that, yeah, our, our website, you can definitely check us out. We are currently looking for five schools to partner with us for the 2022-23 year to implement the after-school book club at their school. So if, if anyone is interested, they can reach out to me. Yeah, and I would definitely encourage, you know, this is specifically for upper elementary, so grades four to six, as you mentioned mm-hmm. before. And everybody will benefit from doing something extra to support their kids. And mm-hmm. this is one of those things that would would definitely work. And can you talk a little bit about the cost of it? Because this is a unique aspect of cultured kids that I think is pretty cool too. Sure. Yeah. So currently, uh, you know, we're past our piloting stages, but we do want to scale up a bit. Um, We are 
actually raising money right now to provide the program and implement it at five schools without charges except for the teacher training. So we want to know that the teachers are going to be committed and come on board, that the administrators are, you know, have bought into this and that the uh, school counselor will help us to identify students that might be best suited for the program. So we are, depending on how many educators, it's, you know, minimal fee, 250 per educator to receive the training needed. And then all of the materials for the students will be provided. Uh, we can provide for up to 20 kids for the after-school program. Yeah, very cool. So uh, because Cultured Kids is a nonprofit, you raise money to help make it happen. And so people should definitely uh, pay attention to that. And that's something that it's PTAs and other things can get involved with as well to support that. So uh, definitely something to look into. I just wanted to mention too, we also offer a uh, teacher stipend for the after school program. So. Oh, double bonus. I know, right? So yeah, <laughs> inexpensive training and you get paid to do it. So that's even yeah. better. Well, I don't want to like set the impression that we pay for everything all the time because we do have other programs that that we do charge for. But for right now, this this is sort of the stage of development we're at, and we we want to hear back from from other schools and how it's going for them. Yeah, very good. Well, cool. So once again, the website's culturedkids.org, and definitely something uh, I'd encourage everybody to check out. Michelle, thanks for being on Transformative Principle. Thanks, Jethro. See ya.